Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR. IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zaki. And welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with David Hobbs Honda. And we are in midst, I guess this is what, the, if you want to call it the fifth inning, maybe the beginning of the third quarter, uh, beginning of the yeah third quarter, I guess, of, of the racing season. Yeah. I think we're at the, pretty much at the halfway point. Things are really kicking into high gear. And it's hot out. Yeah, in heat fact, wave. In fact, it's so hot that uh, Great Lakes Dragway is, uh, they canceled their Summit Super Series bracket race and uh, the JR's points race that were scheduled for today and tomorrow. Now, before you go, oh, a bunch of wimps and this and that. Well, there's a couple reasons why. And uh, part of the reason, if you've been out to Great Lakes Dragway and during when it's hot, and I have been, uh, you're talking about cars. Uh, with huge, huge engines that e- that emit a lot of heat. I mean, it's it's un- ungodly. It's ungodly hot when it's just like eight. A basic summer day when it's eighty. There's so much heat that's being generated. Well, there's a couple of issues, and and one of them is uh, you got guys that are when they when you're doing bracket racing, staging racing. Sometimes there's a very long line, so you guys would be sit guys idling in these hot cars which are getting hotter and hotter. And these poor guys are in triple-layer driver suits with helmets on and everything else. It's very, very uncomfortable, almost basically dangerous to be in that much heat for that long. And the other issue is you got track prep. And you'll see this at tracks, and this could be an issue at uh, at some of the tracks you see this, uh, especially the ones that run during the day. Uh, When you you have issues like this and you got cars with – that are have so much horsepower, what are they doing spinning their tires? That's a lot, a lot of uh, pressure on the, on, the, on the track, and that tracks start to break apart and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, they do have cement part, but there's also, you know, it, it's just the, the track prep is an issue. So they said, you know what, let's call it a week, take a break, and they'll be back next week. So uh, Great Lakes Drag, we'd like to thank all the bracket racers for their understanding and apologize ahead of time in any inconvenience this may cause. We will review our schedule in the next couple of days, and they will be looking for a makeup date. So, uh, yeah, disappointing for yeah. sure. But you know, you got to keep the racing surface uh, in the best shape possible. And if there's a chance that uh, the heat from today and and running those cars could uh, 
could tear up the surface, it's not worth it. I was at uh, Road America yesterday, and it was unbelievable how hot it was up there, and uh, just, just, just very uncomfortable. I mean, you, just standing outside, not doing any physical activity, you're going to be working up a sweat. <clears throat> and I'm not talking about just a little glistening; you get a little bit around your hat. I mean, full out, pour, you know, you're you're absolutely sweating. Now, add any type of physical activity, you know, activity to that, and uh, I know a couple guys that are working on cars yesterday. These poor guys, they were just literally drenched, dripping, dripping sweat off of. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it's definitely dangerous. Stay hydrated. And, uh, you know, if, uh, if you can keep it to a minimum of, uh, of outside work, hopefully your wife uh, is uh, understanding and doesn't make you go out there and yank a ton of weeds this weekend. But, uh, you know, it, uh, be careful out there. Be careful. And what a race last week, huh? Woo! Man, the brothers going at it at the end. Little contact. No give there between the Bush brothers. That was one heck of a finish at Kentucky. And uh, it's it was it was good racing, too. Yes, it was. It wasn't just a slam bang, hey, I'm going to take the guy out. No, that that's how it should be done. Yeah. Respect good. your competitor, and, and if you're going to make a pass, if you can make, you make the pass. Good, tough racing. You know, there was no give. Obviously, no one thought there'd be any give between those two. Uh, but, yeah, it was tremendously entertaining. And uh, that was a heck of a race at Kentucky. NASCAR has put on a good show, I want to say, three out of the last four weeks or four out of the last five. They're on a good run now where uh, they've got just entertaining event one after another. Uh, it wasn't like that, you know, just about a, a month or two ago. Uh, they went through a uh, a pretty pretty long dry spell between exciting races, but uh, we're getting kind of spoiled now, Steve. And uh, I'll I'll tell you, I I love it. I love it. It was it was a good race, and you know Daniel Suarez looked like he was the guy to beat early in the race, and then you had uh, the usual suspects, you know, with Bush. But even you know you had a Ricky Stenhouse up there for a while, Eric Jones who's got something to prove, and uh, Clint Boyer who's just rough season continues uh you know just he's got six place finish but he's not looking for six place finishes he's trying to get a win at this point well clint boyer it seems kind of like every every other year uh he, yeah. you know he'll sit there and and he'll have a down year where it's nothing but frustration the next season he'll come out he'll win a race or two and uh you know he's joking around and happy and everything is uh is awesome and then the next year he struggles again so you know, but it, it's Stuart Haas as as a whole, and uh, you know this weekend they uh, they're in New Hampshire, and final practice, all four of the Stuart Haas cars were in the top five in final practice, but is anybody picking them to win? They've been snake bit all season long, and uh, you know it's hard to pick them. They find a way to shoot themselves in a foot in the foot mm -hmm. week after week after week. Yeah, you had Eric Jones finishing third, and supposedly he's close to resigning with Gibbs. But the question is, is he going to be in the in the twenty car? And we'll talk with uh, Dennis Michelson at the bottom of the hour uh, about that and see what's you know what is he going to be in the twenty car? Could he be in another Gibbs affiliated car? Just how is this going to work out? It'll be interesting to see. And then you had uh, Kyle Larson, or um, yeah, Kyle Larson who finished fourth. And uh, for somebody like me who's a big Kyle Larson fan. 
bad news because he resigned with Jim Canassi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you kind of feel bad for Kyle. Uh, but, well, and you know, unfortunately, that's the state of of Cup racing now because it is. It, you know, if this was twenty, even ten years ago, there would have been a bidding war for him, and you're not seeing that anymore, are you? No, no, you're not. You know, it's. These guys, the owners and stuff, they're trying to cut costs at, at every single turn. You know, if there's a guy that you would want to sit there and open up the uh, the wallet wide for, it would be Kyle Larson. I think if he was in better equipment, he would be a year-in, year-out title contender, winning multiple races every season. He's got that much talent. Well, you look, I mean, if, if you're Rick Hendrick, right? Oh, yeah. You're, if, if this is uh, 2004, you're thinking, okay, how are we going to – we're, we're going to work them into the organization somehow. I don't – you know, it, it's the old adage of just get them over here and we'll, we'll figure it out later. Yep. And, and you know, at this point, you look at the – you know, and, and he was always the epitome. You know, this is a guy back in the day they did that article, Wall Street Journal, wherever it was, two, $200 million a year budget. In which ninety five percent of it was sponsorship. Right, that ain't happening anymore. No, especially when you see those cars with uh, a big H on the front for Hendrick, you know, dealers, and there's they're piecemealing stuff together. And I think at this point they're happy with who they have, especially in the twenty four, you know, car. It's like you know, and and in in the eighty eight because their salaries are much more acceptable to where they can get for sponsorship. Whereas if you're trying to ins- bring in somebody like a Kyle Larson, it's going to be a lot more. Yeah, yep. It's uh, you know a lot of people made a big deal about the quote unquote youth movement in NASCAR that that started beginning you know two three years back. Was and, it a, a youth movement or a budget movement? Uh, yes, yes, it was. Mm-hmm. It was all of the above. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know you want to sit there and bring up the next generation of racer. Hopefully you can catch lightning in the bottle and and get a dominant driver. You know, and everybody's looking for an up-and-coming Jimmy Johnson who's going to win seven titles and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think a lot of these teams now are willing to sacrifice a little bit in the results category for a lot more team-friendly contracts than they were in the past. You're not going to see the bidding wars, like you said, for a Kyle Larson when you can sit there and throw Alex Bowman out there uh, or William Byron and, and pay him less than half the money that, uh, that you're paying those top-notch guys. That's why, you know, uh, Kurt Busch didn't, you know, he, he had problems. And it, he might be a free agent after this year yet again because former champion, he's been around the sport forever. He's not going to sit there and take a 75% pay cut to continue running cup uh, races every single year. So, you know, that's that's part of the reason why the youth movement is in full force. Well, um, when we were up in Milwaukee, when, when we had racing last month in Milwaukee, I talked to uh, Richie Bickle, uh, Richie Bickle Jr., and we talked about the new book, Barnyard to the Brickyard, uh, written by John Close. And we're actually going to have John Close on Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show, this is a pretty cool deal having him on. I saw him earlier in the week, and uh, he's they're doing their media tour, and I think they're up to uh, Dell's uh, Motor Speedway 
this afternoon. And it uh, should be fun talking with John Close, good friend, and someone we've spoken to many times uh, about the state of NASCAR and racing in general and short track racing. So looking forward to that. should be a fun show today, though. Uh, not only will we be uh, talking to John Close coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk to Dennis Michelson. We'll expand more on the world of NASCAR. And then uh, we'll talk uh, IndyCar racing and a little bit of F1 and what's going on at Road America this weekend. Plus, we'll talk with a uh, Ford GT driver, IMSA driver, uh, Joey Hand, who's up at Lime Rock this weekend. And uh, no prototypes, just all GT cars. Lime Rock is a real twisty, curvy type of uh, track up in uh, Lime Rock. And, and IMSA decided, hey, let's just run GT cars. I think it's a much better show. But, but we'll chat with uh, Joey Hand about coming up uh, in the next hour. And he'll be up at Road America next month for the IMSA Showcase Road Racing Weekend. So, Looking forward to that, too. And then we'll talk about Eddie Lapine uh, about the new Corvette rear engine car that was uh, unveiled this week and what, what effects that's going to have on the world of racing and expand on uh, IndyCar in Iowa this weekend. So full full show today. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be a good one. So coming up next, we'll talk with John Close, author of the book that you can get now all over at Tracks Across Wisconsin, Barnyard to the Brickyard, the, the story of uh, Richie Bickle Jr., a man who doesn't mince words, and uh, kind of it's a very interesting book, and uh, it's one of those books where you'll 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 be reading it, and you go, oh, so that's why that's why that happened, or this happened, or so, pretty cool. So coming up next, John Close. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure to check out GreatLakesDragway.com and Great Lakes Dragway on Facebook for all the latest updates. Of course, they've been canceled because of the hot weather and track conditions, but uh, they'll be back next week. And also check for the weekly racing, too, at Great Lakes Dragway. And also David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out DavidHobbs.com, 6100 North Green Bay Avenue for all the latest, for all the greatest in new and used car options. So check out DavidHobbs.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, somewhere in the Dairy State, it is John Close. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey guys, how's it going today? It is fantastic. It's hot. It it's very hot out, but it's uh, nice and cool in the studio right now. So no complaints this is, there. Uh, this is just normal North Carolina. Well. We had 21 days over 90 degrees in May. I mean, you know, you guys just don't know how to sweat. That's well, that's the thing. You know, I was I was thinking about that. I was up in Elkhart Lake yesterday at Road America. I'm thinking, you know, there, and everybody's, oh, it's so hot. And I'm thinking, well, no, this is how it is down south, you know, in July, August, September, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, but, it, you know, in the middle of January, when it's negative 10 for a week straight, and then the temperature goes up to 15 degrees, and I'm outside shoveling snow in shorts, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't think anybody from North Carolina would be doing the same thing. So it, it, it works no. both ways. Yeah. It no. works both ways. I, you know, I tell everybody, I, first of all, I love it. You know, I'm always going to be a Scotty at heart. Um, 
I'm in Madison today, and, you know, they got a great big farmer's market up at the state capitol every Saturday morning. And this particular week they've got, uh, you know, a, a Maxwell. I always want to say Maxwell House because of my NASCAR affiliation. Maxwell Street Days uh, on State Street, and it's great. But, you know, the bottom line is I, I just can't move back here because, well, I, I don't have to shovel sunshine. This That's is right. true. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't either. I I would stay right where you are in North Carolina, and uh, you're you're yeah, at the you're and and plus you're 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 retired, so why not? Yeah, right. Retired, but you're 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 putting on a lot of miles the last uh, at least uh, this month, huh? Yeah, I I wound up driving up from Carolina to do this book tour for you know the new book Barnyard to Brickyard, the Rich Pickle story, and. Uh, I've been here less than a week, and if you take the trip up here, I've already put on 1,500 miles in like five days. So uh, a lot of windshield time, you know, a lot of windshield time this week. Well, Richie Bickle Jr. is an interesting story because uh, his, his his timing was good because it, you came in during a time where if you were talented, you could make it in racing. Not easily, but if you had the, the, the means to, the, the, the gumption and the, and the dedication, you can make it in short track racing. And then, uh, if you were good enough, that which Richie was, you can make your way down south into NASCAR. And, and and Richie is one thing. What's cool about this having a book is Richie was never one to mince words, was he? No, he's pretty direct. Um, if you have a conversation with Rich, you pretty much know where he stands on just about anything uh, within the first ten fifteen seconds, which. You know, there's, as I point out in the book, you know, there's a lot of people that say that that was a detriment to him in his NASCAR career because, um, you know, uh, when he came along, NASCAR was, uh, you know, was on a vertical growth curve with, uh, you know, sponsorship and, and public awareness. And consequently, it got way more politically correct than just, say, you know, 10, 15 years earlier when you had. Uh, in the 60s, you had guys that weren't as politically correct, let's say. So Rich is really a throwback to those kind of times. And, um, you know, do I think it hurt him? Um, you know, I don't know. Um, it, you know, he certainly had the talent. Forgive me, guys. It's, uh, I'm downtown Madison here, and here comes the fire engine. Nice. This is the beauty of live radio right here. <laughs> That's not the first time. At least there's not a toilet flushing like on another show. <laughs> All right. You know, some poor, some poor fellow is having a problem. It's worse than being on the radio. So, um, no, you know, he, uh, he, in spite of all that, he had a tremendous career. I mean, he had well over 200 starts in all three divisions. And let's face it, I mean, there's a lot of cats that drive race cars for a lifetime that would, you know, want to have one. Yeah, it certainly is. And, and some of the people he's driven, you know, he's driven for too, uh, especially like Richard Petty and that. And then, and just to drive for the king and, and and some of the other people he's been affiliated is is certainly blessed his career. Well, this is this is great. I love this. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to be with him on some of that deal. I, one of the greatest experiences of my career was you know work for Richard Petty. You know, we all grow up idolizing different guys, and and my father was a. a factory representative for Chrysler Corporation. So I was always a Mopar guy. And of course, Richard was, you know, he was the king in the Mopar. So to have that guy sit across my desk and, you know, talk and advise me and do different things. I can't believe this is happening. There must be something big going on. No, you got the, the hook and ladder coming by, huh? 
Yeah, well, yesterday they had big doings here. They had some sort of, I mean, they had basically a mass power outage across the city because some sort of transformer or something caught fire, and uh, it was chaos here. There was gridlock everywhere, the state capitol, all the office buildings were down. But, uh, you know, back on point on topic, um, you know, Rich was very fortunate to drive for some really good guys and had some success. I, you know, we always talk about the fact that we left there and he went to Daryl's, and it was it was strictly a competition situation, you know, mm-hmm. and when we were at Richard's, it was the first year of, of Dodge's involvement as a factory uh, uh, sponsored effort in, in the trucks. And they, you know, we just got killed on engine and uh, you know, Rich, he's, he's so competitive. He's the kind of guy that will come to your house and sit on your couch and fight you for the remote, you know, in your own house. And so um, not being competitive in the Dodge deal, anything over a half mile, we were cooked because, uh, in racing terms, we got outhandled down the straightaway a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's why we left there. In retrospect, you know, if we had been patient and stayed there, it probably worked out because Dodge eventually did get it together. And, of course, they used that as a springboard to get to a cup in 2000. And then uh, this is interesting, and this is kind of the latest thing. Uh, I was up with uh, Burt Levy, who's released, who's done a lot of book on, on, on fictional auto racing books and he's done an audio book that has uh david hobbs and brian redmond on it. and i'm just looking at the notes here and and uh the the book is actually be scheduled in kindle form too isn't it and then also as a uh, uh audio book yeah you know steve um you know there's the old saying you know you can't teach an old dog new tricks well i've, <laughs> I've had four previous books and none of them were ever published in that format and um uh, they were always, you know, uh, in, in paper books, you know, either hardcover or paperback. And our agreement to begin with, with uh, our publisher, M&B Global Solutions in Green Bay, was for a uh, paper book only. And uh, thanks to Mike Doclays up there, who is easily the best editor I've ever worked with on any book project, he was able to network a deal with Amazon that it came out in Kindle form and also uh, in audiobook form and uh, – Guys, I mean, you know, the success of this thing, uh, we've been selling the heck out of them uh, last night at, at Madison and Thursday at Kakana. Unfortunately, we're rained out tonight at the, at the Dells. They've already canceled because of the inclement weather. I heard your little announcement about uh, the drag strip being down, too. But uh, the, the book debuted on Monday, and uh, it's the number one new release on amazon.com and the excellent biography story so i mean you know um wow it's really overwhelming how well it's been received and uh, to have that happen and to have you know something that i've never done before with an audiobook and a kindle version that's uh it's way cool it's been a, a real highlight uh, kind of thing for my career well, and I'm looking at your schedule here. This is quite an impressive schedule. Of course, you know, unfortunately, the Dell situation. Tomorrow you're at Slinger, and then you're going up to Manitowoc, and then back home to Edgerton with uh, Bickle. And uh, let's see here. And then uh, Jefferson, of course, where Richie uh, started his career. So uh, pretty yeah. pretty cool to, to kind, of, kind of come full circle. And uh, especially the, the Jefferson deal should be neat because, uh, you know, that that's – that's where he started, and, and, and it's going to be pretty neat having seen all the old friends come back, isn't it? Well, that's been a really big part of the entire trip. You know, needless to say, we want to sell books, but the last three, four nights, uh, you know, starting at Jimmy Jimmy Trado's radio show, you know, 
Uh, we all respect what he did. And like you, you know, he's gracious enough to have us on and tell people about the book. But, um, you know, just the response to it, but seeing seeing so many good friends that I haven't seen in a, a really long time. And you mentioned the Jefferson thing. Yep, that's where he started. And, and uh, a lot of people probably look at it and go, barnyard or brickyard, what does that mean? Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> Rich was 15, and, and you know, he, he, anybody who knows Rich, you know, he's a big fella. Yep. And as a 15-year-old, he was pretty big for his size and for his age, and, and his dad raced at Jefferson forever, so they were used to seeing him there. Well, Rich and a buddy went and they say took, but it, they stole <laughs> an, an old street stock, abandoned street stock out of a barn and fixed it up and, um, you know, went to Jefferson and raced it for the first time. He was 15. He wasn't even eligible to race, but they just let him in because he was big and they were used to seeing him. And <laughs> 17 years later, he's standing there on the bricks with everybody else in the inaugural Brickyard 400 in 1994. So that's where the, that's where the title came from, Barnyard to Brickyard. Very good. Talking to John Close on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline uh, about his book, uh, Barnyard to Brickyard, which you can get uh, through Amazon. And uh, what other, if, if they can't make it up to Jefferson or Slinger tomorrow, where all, how, how else can they get the book? Well, there's, uh, you know, we, we do have it on Amazon, um, and that's probably the easiest way because, you know, it comes directly to your house. Same thing with Coastal181.com. Uh, They're a really great motor board, uh, book site uh, that's on the East Coast. They have it as well. Uh, we will be doing this tour for the next couple of weeks, and uh, we're really close. I think probably the middle of this next week we're going to announce a way that people can get an autographed book through the mail. Uh, we just we need to work out a couple of kinks, you know, with how we're going to do the payment thing through PayPal and if we're going to have credit card or whatever. But uh, We'll be making an announcement on our Facebook page, which is Barnyard to Brickyard, uh, and probably also doing a press release that'll, if you can't make it to one of our events, you know, you can order it through the mail and it'll be autographed by both Rich and I. And it'll be the, it'll be the same price. It'll, it'll be a discounted price off of retail. It'll be uh, 20 bucks plus uh, shipping. So uh, good stuff. You know, we want as many people to have it, obviously, as we can get it to them. So how, how long are you going to be up in Wisconsin for? Well, I get another week. Um, you know, I'll, I'll ride out the rest of the week with Rich and do. We don't have as many appearances next week, but we got a ton of additional media. And uh, I'm going to cap it off uh, on uh, next a week from tomorrow. I'm going to the Brewers Cubs game at Miller Park um, with some buddies of mine from Fort Atkinson. And then I will be back to Charlotte uh, a week from Monday. Very good, and yeah, if you if you want to, you can see uh, see the guys on Channel Six. They had a nice uh, uh, little spew on him uh, on TV here, and uh, you, you yeah, you, I, I think the media coverage has been fantastic. You've been everywhere. You were up in Green Bay too on TV up there, weren't you? Yeah, you know it's um it's one thing to write the book, but then you have to find ways to get it to the people, and. Uh, you know, I, Steve, I've been so fortunate. Racing has been so amazing to me, and I've had so many opportunities, not only as a writer, but as a PR person and a marketer. So, you know, when I got done with the book, I just took off my author's hat, and I started calling good people like you and, and you know, the people at TV6. And, you know, as, as we transition here, uh, we're going to do a show uh, with uh, – Dave Moody on, on NASCAR Sirius. And, oh, excellent. Uh, we're, we're really hopeful. Uh, we've, we've got some feelers out. I think we're going to do a Junior Earnhardt's podcast and Speed Freaks out of L.A. So this part here, we wanted to introduce it to the home folks because, you know, this, this is where we're from, and, you know, we love it here, but 
once this is over, the national part of it will kick in uh, in August and September where Rich will be all over those dials too. So, uh, you know, we've worked really hard to, to give people a quality read. And then, you know, like I said, you, you got to find ways to creatively promote it so we can get it out and people can see it. John Close, thank you so much. Just make sure you say hi to Crash Gladys uh, when you're out with the Speed Freaks friends uh, out on the West Coast. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. really appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate you guys, too. And just for the record, I will say hi to her. And uh, later on today, I've been here a week. I haven't had a bratwurst yet. I'll have one of those in your honor as well. Oh, yeah, you, you got to catch up because I've had about yeah, 12 no, this week no. already. <laughs> oh, uh, they're addicting. I, you know, oh, my gosh. But thanks again, fellas. Really appreciate you, and it's always good talking to you. All right, that was John That was John Close joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank, providing simply local, common-sense lending to your community since 1935. And when we ba- we'll take a quick break here. We'll come back. Uh, we'll talk a little more NASCAR. And then, uh, actually, Joey Hand will be coming up next, or in, uh, in the next few minutes here, on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and also David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out davidhobbs.com for all the best in new and used cars. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, the driver of the Ford GT, it is Joey Hand. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, guys? Pretty good, pretty good. And, uh, of course, this weekend you're out in Lime Rock for the Northeast Grand Prix Championship, the WeatherTech Championship, and uh, this is a pretty neat deal because uh, no prototypes. You guys are the main show, and, uh, you know, Lime Rock is a real twisty, curvy track, uh, but you, you, it, it really uh, shows showcases the, the GT cars, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's actually it's kind of a little bit of a short track Saturday night kind of place here. You know, it's only one left-hander. Um, pretty quick everything's fast um we won this thing last year so it's it's always good coming to a race that you won and we won it at the end this is it's going to be this week in particular it's going to be hot 95 degrees like 105 heat index they say um so tire degradation is the issue um but it always ends up being a great race here not not very common to come in with no bodywork uh damaged here let me tell you that you normally have some dive planes bent some some uh, some other color car on your car, so uh, great great show for the fans here. So I mean, what what steps are you taking personally? Because uh, you you had a that you had a viral issue, uh, which yeah. I mean I I went through with pneumonia last month and that and knocked the crap out of you. But I mean, what what steps are you taking? Do you guys have the like the trainers out there and everybody's on you? Drink drink drink. And is there anything else you guys can can do? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not. You're right. I was I was out for a while. I had uh, bad virus, and it was, um, you know, it beat you down. But I've been shoot. I've been racing since uh, I went back and raced at Le Mans, and that one, if you can survive a Le Mans, mm-hmm. it's like four two hour stints and through the night. It's physically and mentally one of the toughest races in the world. So you survive that. Everything else is kind of a lot easier. But you know, there's nothing real. No real secret, man. Just um, drinking water. I drink <laughs> a lot of Pedialyte, believe it or not. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, stay hydrated, eat some food. And, you know, it's one of the things where you don't, you don't have to get out of the car here. So I'm going to, Dirk's going to start, we're starting fourth, Dirk did a, a 
a stellar qualifying lap. So we're starting fourth, and then uh, I'll get in and probably do anywhere from an hour and 30 to two hours, um, just depending on how it shakes out, yellows or whatever. And if you don't get out of the car, you can manage the heat. It's when you get out and you got to get back in, uh, mm, okay. it's difficult, right? So once you get in, you don't think about it as much. If it goes yellow, you start to think about it. It feels really hot under yellow. But uh, when you keep moving, it, you keep moving. I mean, keep in mind, though, this track is 50 seconds is our lap. We're lapping around. They actually qualify in the 49 around here. So it's a very quick lap. There's no time to, to take a break on the straightaway breeze. And we're dealing with third, fourth, and fifth gear corners. So it's fast um and all to the right so definitely unique definitely hard on the hard on the driver for sure but we got this all right joey how does it feel to drive the ford gt which obviously is you know one of the most iconic cars in the world well you said it i mean you're driving one of the most iconic cars in the world so uh it's always cool to saddle up and get in this thing i mean you know you um sometimes you forget what you're driving you know when we started this program you, you jumped in the car it was such a such a big deal around the world and you'd be surprised the 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 luster doesn't wear off to the fans they still you know when you see people walk around this car still draws a huge crowd although maybe it's me maybe it's dirk i don't know but i think, <laughs> still think it's a lot of the car um but yeah i mean it's you know it's what we've done as a team as a as a big program with ford and ford performance and and course chip ganassi racing to go to Le Mans and win in the first try and and that's what we were trying to do uh is to win in the first try in 2016 um you yeah, know that's a that was a pretty big deal and so the history that goes with this will never never be forgotten by me and for sure not by a lot of people now the question is do you have one or will you are you looking to get one mm-hmm. in the future a road car i do have one ah i, I do have one yeah uh, i think everybody's got one or got one coming. Um, I know Dirk drives his around a lot. Um, I got white with black stripes. Okay. Yeah. I do have the Joey hand, uh, Joey hand version. And, uh, let's see, how can I say this? Uh, have you, have you been able to exercise it? (laughs) I could get in getting out would be the problem. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I mean, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a compact, uh, cockpit. Let's put it that way. So you get to, two good sized guys in there and you're going to be shoulder to shoulder. But, you know, I was lucky, fortunate enough to do a lot of the, the final production testing with the car before it went to, to production and uh, in the road car. And, you know, I got to hustle as hard as they, hard as I possibly could. They told me to drive it at, in Salt Lake city and Las Vegas and all these different places. So I actually got a lot of experience in the car. And a lot of people ask, do you drive your car hard? You know, do you hustle around? I'm like, no way, man. Mm-hmm. Why would I do that? I got Ford's Ford's, uh, GTs to do that in. I'm not. I'm not wearing mine out. Sure, you bet. And then, of course, uh, coming up in a few weeks, you'll be out uh, at Road America at the IMSA Road Race Showcase. And what what kind of special memories, or what, what are you looking forward when you come uh, back out here to Wisconsin? Come on, Road America. Anybody that knows me, Road America is my favorite racetrack in all the world. I've driven all around the world. Um, I always say Road America is the best lap in racing for any racing driver. I I, I bet you. Uh, Everybody you talk to will say, I love this track. I love it. You know, even my, even on a simulator, my son's favorite track, he's never <laughs> driven it in real life, of course. He's driven on a simulator, and he's like, I love Road America. I'm like, so do I. It's just one of those places that has a little bit of everything. You start the lap, as a race car driver, you start the lap, and you know it's going to be fun. It's got 90 corners. They're fast. It's got the carousel. It's got the kink, which 
you know, separates guys because mm-hmm. every time you go through the kink, you're going, I'm going flat. And you get there and you're going, <laughs> no, I don't. I'm not doing it. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just, just a cool place. On top of that, great fans. I brought my family there last year and uh, they loved it. Uh, you, you know, the, the updates that they've done with the walking trails around the backside of the track that you used to not be able to get down to the kink as well. Now you can take a golf cart around there. You can walk down there, hang out. So there's just a lot of, lot of cool stuff. Um, not to mention all the fried cheese. That's, <laughs> I, I get I get down with the fried cheese. Let me tell you what. That's what I was just about to ask you. What's the one yeah. food item? You know, is it the bratwurst? The eight thousand million different types of beer? You know that uh, that you have to hit up when you uh, when you come yeah. to Road America. I'll tell you what. Anybody listening, it goes this race. I I dare you to not get the fried cheese at the concession stand on the way up the hill to the paddock. Oh, uh, the gearbox. They're, yep, that's the gearbox. Yeah, they yeah. are awesome. So, and I trust me, I've tested them all over Wisconsin, and that that's uh in the top two right there, for sure. Nice. Very Don't good. Don't chip. No. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure Chick, uh, Chip is at his uh, fair of fried cheese too. <laughs> I don't know, but. Uh, Maybe I'll maybe I'll share some with them. <laughs> All right, Joey, and make sure to check out the Northeast Grand Prix today on uh, NBC Sports. We certainly appreciate you taking time out your busy schedule coming on, and hope you stay cool. And uh, the best of luck to you, uh, to uh, Dirk and you. And we'll look forward to seeing you uh, at uh, in August at Road America. Ten four. Looking forward to it. This race starts an hour and a half, so saddle up. You bet. All right. You make yeah. sure to tune in to the IMSA uh, Northeast Grand Prix at Lime Rock. Should be a cool race with the GT cars out there. And uh, they put on a great show. No prototypes, just the GT cars. So you get to see the Porsches, the aforementioned uh, four GTs and that. So It's awesome cool. that they get center stage. Yeah, really cool. So uh, coming up next, we're going to talk to Dennis Michelson. We'll get uh, talk some more with NASCAR coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now. Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. And welcome to the back to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and David Hobsonda. Yes, it is Dennis Michelson joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Welcome to the show, Dennis. Mr. Z, it is good to be here. And uh, we got, uh, let's see, NASCAR in Loudoun. But last week, Kentucky, that was quite the show they put on, wasn't it? Yeah, I was very impressed. Um, You know, the the folks at Kentucky Speedway and a lot of these Speedway Motorsports tracks really need to be commended for taking a chance and putting this, you know, grip compound down on the track. You know, I'm not so sure if it, physically does a lot from the start to finish of the race, but it sure seems to do something psychologically to these racers because they are willing to go looking and go shopping for a second crew. And it really did open up the, uh, the race a bit. Um, and then, you know, we're on our way to having a kind of a ho-hum finish after a really good race. And then that last caution flag gave us that, that little slam bam, uh, you know, Bush brother uh, excitement at the end. So it was just another very strong weekend for NASCAR there. Uh, you know, I, I was a little bit leery of this new rule package. I still think that Dan Gurney's right, that 
you know, less right. downforce, more horsepower makes for better racing. But in lieu of that, if you're not going to go that route, having this huge spoiler and a lower engine output seems to work at these intermediate tracks. Well, it's worked, you know, three or four of the, you know, three out of four weeks. But uh, there was a, a decent stretch there about two months ago where uh, there were a, a, a bunch of snooze fest too. So, you know, it's it's worked lately. NASCAR has been phenomenal the last month. But, uh, you know, two months ago, it uh, it was hard not to catch at least one nap during the race. <laughs> yeah, there have been some some rather snoozers. Um, ironically, some of the, the more boring races came at what used to be the more exciting tracks. We'd seen yeah. some great road course racing, and Sonoma was kind of a, you know, less than exciting event. And, you know, I, I'm not really sure why. Um, I think it's just a, a case, but I, I think the stage stop and goes uh, kill the strategy that we used to see at road courses and, and it's kind of turned the race around a little bit. But, you know, it, it, we did have a streak there. But, but here's the thing, you know, there's 162 baseball games in a season. Right. How many of those are, are what you would call great games? You know, it's. It's just uh, it's a percentage deal, and you know if we see three out of every four races that are are at least entertaining, then then we've done something, and you know we're on a nice little roll here because Daytona was good, Chicagoland was good, and Kentucky was good, and I actually have hopes for uh, for New Hampshire as well if they can get the race in. Yeah, um, well, I think you might be racing some rain. I think you're spot on with the fact that the uh, new rules package has made tracks that were boring more exciting and tracks that were more exciting kind of boring because that race in Chicago and, you know, Chicagoland Speedway for the last five years uh, until this year was almost unwatchable how just awful the racing was. And this year, even with the three-and-a-half-hour three rain delay, that was one heck of a finish, and uh, as soon as they got back after that rain delay, it was a phenomenal race. Yeah, and I think the reason that we're seeing this, I think if NASCAR had just gone down on the horsepower at the intermediate tracks, we'd be seeing a lot of boring racing because guys wouldn't be able to finish a pass, and we'd have the clean air problems, you know, times 12. But that big spoiler on the back, seems to really be changing things around. And then, you know, you throw some weather uncertainties in and all of a sudden guys have a little different way that they race. Uh, track position is still very, very important. And I think that's actually a key to giving us good racing from start to finish in these events because nobody's willing to give up a position. You know, nobody wants to, to lose the lead early um, because track position still does matter. But, you know, I think more than anything else, a lot of times when it comes to NASCAR racing or any kind of racing for that matter, it's circumstances that, you know, dictate whether we're going to have a, a good race or a really good race or a great race. And lately, uh, NASCAR has been on the positive side of those things. You know, again, Daytona was a great race with a lousy finish because of the rain, um, but other than that, the circumstances have actually played out in NASCAR's favor of, of setting up the chance, at least, of having an exciting finish. 
And uh, we're talking Dennis Michelson and the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. And it's Brad Kes- Keselowski, even though when I, it was used to be Keselowski. Uh, Brad Keselowski on the poll for the Alliance Truck Parts Team Penske Ford. And then look at that, Kyle Busch and Kurt Busch, two and three, with Eric Jones uh, in the 20-car fourth. And I, I teased this uh, earlier in the hour. Uh, it looks like he is going to re-up with Joe Gibbs, but is uh, Eric Jones going to be in the 20 car, you think, next year? I'm thinking we're going to see um, Joe Gibbs play the Alliance game again, similar how they did, you know, in, in parking uh, him over at uh, at Furniture Row years ago. Mm-hmm. I just, it's going to be dependent on which sponsors that are tied into that 20 car, what driver that they want i think is going to be the key and right now it looks like um like christopher bell is going to have sponsors a little more eager to support him than eric jones does which is kind of curious because i'm not really expecting a whole lot more out of christopher bell when he moves up to the cup level than what we've seen from eric jones everybody looks at the success that these guys have in the xfinity and the truck series and they forget that the driver that they're replacing also had that similar success at the Xfinity and truck level. So I, I don't know if we're going to really see Christopher Bell do a whole lot better than Eric Jones, because if he was, he'd be winning like 15 races a year uh, in the Xfinity series if he was that good. If he was cup ready right now and ready to make a big impact at cup, he'd be winning a heck of a lot more often than he is in the Xfinity series right now. Uh, and on the opposite end, we have a driver in the 51 car, Andy Sice, a Northeast driver. Oh. And, and he's a guy yep. who was really on the come and it looked like, you know, he had a bright future and, and he's just kind of struggling to stay on the track, isn't he? And it's good to see him in the cup race, but I mean, what, what's, what's your opinion on Andy Sice? I've always kind of found, found him intriguing. Andy Sice is one of the coolest guys in the sport. And it's so funny that I was doing a, a broadcast of a race from the old Nashville Fairgrounds racetrack for the ASA Late Model Series many years ago, 2007. And uh, we're going to do the broadcast for the uh, NASCAR um, Wheeland Modified Series that was also running there that same weekend. And I didn't know too much about the drivers in in the, the northern version of the Modified Series. So I contacted a couple of my guys up in the Northeast that really know it, and they told me, Andy Sice, this kid is amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, the other thing that they told me is that Andy Sice's mom has the best lunch at the track. And that's the, <laughs> that was a combination that convinced me I better stop over and, and interview Andy Sice before the race to get the lowdown and chi. I just happened to show up at lunchtime after practice. Go figure. But uh, both things were true. First of all, Andy Sice was a fantastic driver. I saw him in practice uh, right before I went over to, to Mooch Lunch. And he was every bit as good and ended up winning the race that day. Fast forward to 2019, and earlier this year in the Arca Series at Daytona, he took a chassis that was like from the, the early to mid-'90s, an old Bush car chassis, and he took that and he put it up at the top of the speed charts at Daytona in the Arca Series. Um, he had some issues in the, in the race, as you sometimes do at, at Daytona, where he got caught up in somebody else's mess. 
and cost him a, a better finish than he would have had. But any size is the real deal. And here's the other thing about him. When I met him in 2007 when he was an absolute nobody, you know, just just slugging around in the modifieds and running a few other tour modif- type modifieds in New England, he was just the coolest dude. And he's still that way today. Like the, the kid hasn't changed. And if you look at the amount of disappointment that he's had to deal with, in this racing industry because he doesn't have the big wallet to to finance mm-hmm. his rides. It's all on talent alone. Um, kind of like when you were talking about Rich Bickle earlier. Andy Sice is the Rich Bickle of today. You know, he just happened to be from New England instead of Wisconsin. But they're the same type of drivers. They're old-school guys that got to where they are on talent. But when you've had so much disappointment, it's easy to become really cynical in this business. And look at the Silver Spoon kids and be like, ah, you know, if I only had money, I'd be showing you up, you know, how good that kid is. And, you know, he's not that good. He's just got daddy's money. You'd hear all that kind of crap. You never hear it from Andy Sice. All he works about is working his tail off in the shop, building cars, doing whatever it takes. I mean, the guy got clean, you know, he'd do whatever it took. He'd clean the, the garage if that meant he was going to get a chance to, to drive on Saturday or Sunday. He's just an old-school racer, and I'm glad to see him getting this opportunity to make his cup debut. I wish it was with a better car, but Rick Ware Racing is a class organization that does more with less than mm-hmm. anybody else. And on that track, he, you know, all we want to see is him go for the whole day. If he puts in the whole day, finishes three laps down, who cares? It's a great accomplishment for a very talented driver. He's not so young anymore. You know, when I met him, he was only 20 years old. He's 32 now. Um, but he still has that passion and will still drive the wheels off of any car better than anybody else that, that jumps in there. So uh, big, big excitement to see Andy Sice in there this week. Very good. We're talking Dennis Mickelson and DMAC Media on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Dennis, we're going to take a break here. Can you hold over the sports flash? For you, Mr. Z, anything. All right. Appreciate it. So we're going to break uh, for a commercial break in the sports flash. When we come back, we'll talk more racing with Dennis Michelson on the Final Inspection Show. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with David Hobbs Honda. Once again, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, of course, it is Dennis Michelson from D Mike Media. Welcome back to the show, Dennis. Thank you for staying over. For you and, and the Polish pipe bomb, anything, man. <laughs> You're so, too nice to us, Dennis. Hopefully, hopefully, you are having a better weekend than Alex Bowman is uh, having in New Hampshire this weekend. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. You know, he was already in a backup car for the final practice. Final practice was kind of winding down. Uh, some of the guys had already parked early. 
uh, and all of a sudden he blew up a tire, and the whole right rear of the car just exploded off the car. And, you know, the reports are that, you know, since his backup was already used, uh, his primary car wasn't repairable, it looks like they're going to grab the 48's backup car. They're going to have to put his seat in. They're going to have to do a lot of work to, to get that thing ready to go. Um, so rough, rough weekend. And, of course, you know, he couldn't use the backup car of, uh, of his other teammate because uh, uh, William Byron also is in a backup car. So it's going to be an expensive weekend for Hendrick. Well, I should say, Yes, true, Alex Bowman is having a, a bad weekend, but the crew guys are having a worse weekend because it's oh, a lot of man. stress and a lot of work for those guys. And the garages up in New Hampshire there are really, really crowded, so they get hot. Oh, my God. It is it is like the old Michigan Speedway garages. Yes. Do you remember those? Yep. You know, where you were basically crammed into almost – you know, like having two people in a normal size stall with all the equipment, it is going to be nasty working on those cars this weekend. Uh, and, you know, like I said earlier uh, in the in the last segment, there's going to be a lot of weather coming uh, later in the day tomorrow. There's going to be the threat of severe storms. There's going to be some pretty good gully washers coming. New Hampshire doesn't have lights. And it looks like we're going to actually have about three days worth of rain. So if they don't beat the rain tomorrow in getting this rain in before the storms arrive, it could be an even longer week in this miserable humidity for all these teams. I want to talk to you about uh, Dick Berggren, who's uh, going into the uh, Hall of Fame. And uh, for for, I guess, us older guys, even though I don't consider myself an older guy, but growing up. But growing up, you know, Stock Car Racing Magazine and all these magazines, and and uh, later for me it was Open Wheel Magazine. But he was he was one of, he was kind of a guy like me. Of course, he was a stock car racing guy, but he loved the dirt tracks. He he he, he was interested in open wheel racing, sprint car racing, everything else involved with that. But how how, how important or what's your opinion on on Dick Bergeron and what what he did? I mean, some people just remember him on the TNN broadcast. But he, he, he was much more than that, wasn't he? Oh, my goodness. What a career this man has had. And uh, before he came to the national scene, of course, he was Mr. Racing up in uh, New England forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he's just – he's got such a, a great reputation. Um, you know, there are guys that have the NASCAR gene or have the IndyCar gene or have the Formula One gene or have the short track racing gene. He had the racing gene. You know, I don't I don't think that man would be bored covering any type of event. And uh, just such a great supporter of local racing up there in New England long after he went national. When he was on the national TV broadcast, you'd still hear him talking about all the great local racing that was going on and all these racers that, you know, hoped to someday come to NASCAR from the Northeast. Um, there's no better person to to give that uh, Squire uh, award to, um, Squire Hall award. I couldn't think of Barney Hall's name for a moment there. That's horrible. Um, but the Squire Hall award, the whole idea is to, to uh, recognize the greats 
from the media world, and they just don't get any better. Uh, and then what he's done after the fact here of when he stepped away from TV, he's been working so hard in getting this Northeast Motorsports Museum built right there at Loudoun, New Hampshire. And, you know, as he said, a lot of his old-time buddies, you know, would die off, and the family didn't know what to do with their pictures and with their old cars were sitting out in barns and garages. And now they've got a place to mm-hmm. remember this great history from the 50s, 60s, 70s on up. Um, but he's been just such a hard worker in getting the funding needed for that. Didn't get any corporate sponsorship because he didn't want to taint the memories of all things. He wanted to keep it pure. Didn't get any government help. Didn't get any help from anybody. It was just good old private fundraising um, because he's got so many friends in the racing world that, that, you know, had stories that they wanted to make sure never stopped getting told. But what a tremendous, tremendous, uh, you know, just a what an asset to the uh, to the New England racing scene and then to the national racing scene for so many years. Certainly has, and uh, you know, just it's it's those behind the things scenes. I mean, when you're you're in racing, you 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 hear stories and you know stuff like people like you know AJ Foyt, Tony Stewart, some of the things behind the scenes hey, they do and you know you don't do these things because well you know i want to be remembered for it. no you do them because they're right and you and you want you 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 want to see things work off for people and you want collections and or what it whatever it is you, you want these things preserved for your love of racing and and overall for the sport and it, it certainly is a good uh it you know it, it certainly what what Dick has done over the years it's just been fantastic for for the overall sport of racing and the uh you know the historical part of it too yeah the historical aspect i mean those stories get lost if you don't have a place to collect all the memories and you know some people will say well you know there's this museum and that museum and there's too many museums no every region every area needs to have their own local memories of racing remembered because it's not just the guys that made it to the national scene and became famous from from that part of the country. Every nook and cranny of racing has their heroes. You know, for every Dick Trickle that did make it to the big show to to uh, you know have a chance to have his name known even wider. There, there's another hundred guys racing on your local tracks that are are just as tough, almost as good, and have a story that is almost as intriguing uh, as that. So you want to keep the local memories alive. You know, it's it's just every track's got it got its famous guys, and if you don't keep those memories alive on the local or regional level, you know you're missing out a lot of the history. Yeah, good point. Well said. And, uh, you know, besides museums, the uh, best way to do that is go out and support your local track by putting your butt and your family's butts in the seats on a weekly basis and enjoy it live because that's uh, the best way to watch racing. Now, getting back to uh, New Hampshire here, Dennis, looking at uh, happy hour speeds, four out of the top five is are Stuart Haas drivers. With Kyle Busch being second fastest, Harvick first, then Boyer, Suarez, and Almirola. Is this 
finally the week that Stuart Haas gets the monkey off their back, or are they going to find a way to shoot themselves in the foot yet again? Yeah, this is a track where Kevin Harvick should be absolutely awesome. You know, we always think of him as so great out at Phoenix towards the end of the year because his record out there has been really, really good. Well, this is another flat mile track. This place is very similar to Phoenix or the Milwaukee Mile in that it takes that good, you know, short track racer skill uh, that Harvick is so well known for. So I think this is a perfect track for him. We're not going to see much from Clint Boyer here. Uh, this has not been a great track for Clint Boyer. But for Harvick, it's certainly been a track where he has had a lot of success, and he is my pick to win this week. Even though he starts 14th, he uh, he did not have a good qualifying effort. You're still, you know, he, like I said, he topped uh, happy hour in speeds, but even though he did not have a good qualifying effort, you're still sticking with Harvick, huh? Yeah, he was also very consistent over a 10-lap run, um, which is what I tend to look at uh, more for indication of who's really ready to race. Um, starting 14th is fine. You know, with all these crazy, you know, changes to, to, th- to strategy with the stages and everything else, some guys will be running for stage points, some will be running for the, the win. It'll be all confusing, but at the end of the day, as long as he doesn't have more than one penalty on pit road or more than one slow stop on pit road, I like Kevin Harvick's chances. But that team and that driver have sure found a way to uh, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory this year so far. Well, how about a number seven uh, starting position for Matt DiBarito? Not bad. <laughs> Di Benedetto starting high in the top ten at number seven. Yeah. Uh, you give the burrito man a uh, any realistic chance to uh, to bring home the checkered flag. You know anything's possible because again, when you're at a short track type setup um, rather than an intermediate speedway, you sometimes have a little better chance of of having one of these surprise stories. And that team has been really consistent and doing well, um, but and, and I just you know refuse to use the whole last name. I like he said years ago uh, when I was interviewing him for the first time, just call me Guido. That's good enough for me. I'm just- <laughs> Guido, I like that. That's awesome. Um, boy, I, I I just think it's time for Ryan Brain- Blaney to do something, but then I see Keselowski in the pole. I kind of like the Stuart Haas cars. I don't know. I kind of like – I kind of do like Harvick, though. I think, Dennis, you brought me over. I hate doing that, yep. but – I'm going to go with Harvick, yeah, Blaney, too. Yeah, Blaney's stats here are also not all that great. Um, not a lot on uh, Elmarola yet as far as in good equipment, so I don't have a real good feel for what he's going to do. But, um, but yeah, if, if somebody's going to do it with Stuart Oz this week, I think it is going to be uh, Harvick. I also like those Penske boards, both Brad Keselowski and Logano are great at this kind of a track. I was I was surprised it's his first pole in almost two years, basically two years, sixty eight races. But I was like, really? Wow, it's one of those things you kind of scratch your head and go, hmm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and we're back we're, we're back to single car qualifying though. Remember, so you know the group qualifying didn't treat him so well as far as uh, doing it that's that a good way point. and doing the different things. But um, but yeah, maybe that's the case. I don't know, but. Uh, 
But, yeah, those guys are always consistently fast. And I think sometimes the qualifying run, it's, they're so close nowadays that, you know, just one little bobble in one of the turns, and that's the difference between first and seventh. So, um, but he's been consistently fast, and, you know, I think that team is going to really come out rocking this week. Well, we'll see. I can't pick Harvick. Uh, he's shot himself in the foot so many times this season. So until he gets a checkered flag, I'm not picking him. But uh, I'm not going out on much of a limb here. I'm going to go with last week's runner-up, Kyle Bush. I think that he's going to have mm-hmm. a huge chip on his shoulder after losing to his brother last week uh, at the wire. And uh, I think he's going to come out angry and drive hard. I wouldn't be surprised to see him put a couple guys in the wall if he needs to. And I think uh, Kyle will uh, will take home the checkered flag this week. Yeah, my fantasy insight uh, part of my odds and ends article over at frontstretch.com a few weeks ago, I said you either need to be drunk or insane not to have Kyle Bush in your top three each and every week. Yeah, uh, He's just been that good and that dominant um, that you just can't leave him off of your your top three when you're handicapping a race because he will be in the top five all day. Yeah, it's, and it's, I'm both, you know, and I agree with you. Did you? Did yeah. you? Um, <laughs> did, no, you 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 saw the Alex Bowman crash, right? The the second the second well, one. This, yeah, the second one wasn't so much of a crash. He was he just blew up. The the back tire uh, looked like it just right. loaded. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I just. I don't. I don't know. It just. You know, I'm thinking back. I I understand the dynamics of why and that, but it still bothers me that these guys go to have to go to a backup car. You know, I just. It's the, it's of- the old school guy. And me just going. I'll oh, just you know put another you know. Yeah, it, unfortunately, these cars are so sensitive now yeah. um, that I've had I've had car chiefs tell me that the least little thing that goes wrong with these cars now, they basically are worthless. Um, you know, and, and they have quite a few times where if they had a rough race where they got into another car, the wall a few times, that car is easier to retire. It's cheaper for them to build a new car from it scratch. Is. And that's and been going is, around for a while. I re, yeah, uh, and to try to get get one of these cars back into uh, into true for the Cup Series. Now they they have a little lot more, you know, leeway with a with the Xfinity Series now. So some of those cars, you know, the rolling chassis finds a new life in that series. But usually these cars are so sensitive now that they're out of they're out of uh, kilter too much to be repaired just from a, a rough race. So when you blow a tire now, it's not like the old days when you just get out the Bondo and, and put new, you know, put all the, you know, fix the hole in the sheet metal. You just literally lose the whole back end. And there's, it's just not possible to rebuild the car uh, because of all the problems you have with it. These are, and that's not stock car racing anymore. You know, we're looking at cars that go, spinning out on the grass and the front splitter digs in and tears half the car up. You know, that's not, in my opinion, stock car racing. I'd love to see it get back to where, you know, we're, we're allowing a little more in the way of variance on the measurements. So when a guy does have a problem like that, you can literally build, rebuild back in and, and go back out there with the primary. But 
Um, but that's not NASCAR today. You know, it's aero is so sensitive, even on a mile track, that they won't even entertain the idea of trying to fix a, a car that's got, you know, minor damage to it. Well, Dennis, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show and uh, in and uh, giving your insightful uh, knowledge of the sport. And uh, what's the latest uh, at, at all your, your in within your media empire that you are building? <laughs> well, of course, we still got our Wildfire Fever podcast. Chicago Wildfire start their playoffs in Frisbee football this weekend. Uh, and also, uh, so we'll have that next week. We'll recap uh, this weekend's game and hopefully look ahead to the Midwest Division Championship game and a chance to head to the Final Four. Also had some interviews with uh, Mark Basso and Jeremy Porter uh, doing a special on country club racing. And next week we'll have a special on pay-per-views with Chris Grainer from Rivet, a great uh, organization that is making it possible for uh, local and regional uh, tracks to broadcast their own races and make a few bucks doing it. But more than anything else, shows them a way to use uh, online broadcasting of races to boost their fannies' uh, count at the, at the track. So a uh, great organization, and Chris Grainer will be joining us uh, with some great information for race promoters next week. Remember all those heavy thunderstorms that you guys were getting hit with last month and a few weeks ago and up until, I think, last week? They're all moved up yeah. to northern and central Wisconsin now. <laughs> they are getting oh, nailed yeah. up. They are getting nailed up there. Anybody up at... Elkhart Lake Road America, This uh, they just had uh, got wet. They should be drying out shortly, but there's another line coming through. We were talking to John Close, who's supposed to go up to, to the Dells, and looking at the current radar right now, and, uh, yeah, I think they made a right decision there because uh, it, it's yeah. going to be an and interesting Newton, day. Iowa, Newton, Iowa might have problems this evening for IndyCar and yeah. Cup tomorrow with thunderstorms and, of course, a lot of tracks over Michigan, uh, over in Michigan, even had to cancel just to the oppressive heat. With right. these, you know, the, the heat gets so hot. Just like our friends at Great Lakes Dragway, you know, Great Lakes they wouldn't wouldn't cancel a race weekend for nothing. So it, when it's this hot, the, the 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 little you know sealer in the track starts melting yep. and liquefying. So it's just not healthy for your track or your people to be out there in this heat. And uh, I'm really feeling for those indie spotters uh, today again, uh, watching some of those guys up on the, uh, uh, up on their perch yesterday in that oppressive heat was, was just miserable. But uh, yeah, weather, you know, we went from rain to, to oppressive heat and now back to rain. It's we're, we're not having a great racing season from a weather standpoint. Yeah, that's your weather report on the final inspection show. Uh, I'm also got to sneak in here the metal report. Uh, how about Tyler Reddick in the Xfinity Series today runs the number two car, and he's got the Megadeth car this week. So uh, <laughs> Tyler Reddick is going to be my pick for the Xfinity Series race today. I'll have uh, the horns out and... Uh, and cheering him along while I got some Megadeth blasting in the background. Way to go, Tyler. What a gorgeous car. Dennis, what's your favorite Megadeth song? Oh, my goodness. You know, I, to, to, quote a, to quote a line out of uh, Office Space about a different musical artist, I'm a fan of their whole catalog. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, we'll take that as uh, peace sells, but who's buying? Great choice, Dennis. That's phenomenal. Now, Motley Crue, I could help you. Phantom Rain, I could help you. So, uh, But uh, in Phantom Rain, of course, it's Concussion. That's the greatest song ever done by that great band that, uh, you know, you can still see playing up at the Broad Stop every once in a while. But, uh, but you know, Megadeth wasn't a big fan, well, I'll hey, be honest. It's got to be Sweating Bullets from 1992. It is. It is. It's yeah, the Sweating Bullets. Hey, yeah, that, that one we will play Sweating Bullets. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Dennis, thank you so much. We'll chat with you next week. Uh, you're listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Megadeth and Sweating Bullets, along with Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. Like everybody this weekend, we are sweating bullets on the Final Inspection Show. Oh, yeah. It's a little warm out there, so just make sure if you guys are outside doing anything outside, the skies are getting a little ugly around here now. But uh, take care of yourself. Drink lots of water. Check in on, uh, you know, old people, young people. Make sure everybody's doing all right. And keep those pets inside. Yeah, yeah, go easy on on your four-legged buddies as well. Yeah, I saw a few up uh, up north, and they were actually doing pretty well. Uh, I was up at Road America yesterday and uh, in downtown Elkhart Lake last night, and they do a race race car concourse, so it's just pretty cool. What they do, Jeff, and I need to gra- take you up there one of these days, is they take, uh, they used to cap it at like 80 cars, and then they moved it up to 90, I think they had like 140 some cars. Nice race cars. These are cars that actually race, and then they 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 did a rule: these cars have to race at the track in order to be eligible for the concourse. They drive them, Jeff, from the track to downtown Elkhart Lake. Yeah, that's awesome. Special dissipation, whatever they call it, uh, yeah, state, uh, in order to do this, and they drive them into the track. Now, in the past. If you're familiar with downtown Elkhart Lake, downtown Elkhart Lake is basically the 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 the, the epicenter, whatever you want to call it, is is two blocks. It, it's small, right? And and where Seepkins is, and, and there's a bunch of store uh, uh, bars and that on one side, and and then you have the Osthoff backing the other side. It's two blocks, and and what would happen is, I swear, I swear, you'd get. Forty to 50,000 people in two blocks, and it was, you couldn't move. So yesterday we did a, a Seepkins invited uh, David uh, Hobbs for a book signing along with uh, Bert Levy, and we were set up right in front of Seepkins, right next to the sidewalk. And I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder how this is going to work out because you get all these people here and you, you can't move. You know, it's just, in, it's hot. And even if it was an 80-degree day, it would be unusual. All these people together, everybody's generating heat. Well, what they did this year is they used to kind of angle them in on an angle, like angled parking. Mm-hmm. They just pulled them in straight, and they stretched it out further. So that the the area where the cars were displayed, they spread it all the way out to the corner 
past the two block area and that way it was awesome because well and i'm sure attendance is probably a little bit lower because of the heat but it was really really nice yesterday you had a nice you, people were able to walk the entire kind of where the cars were if they wanted and and, and, and so you had a lot of foot traffic and uh, yeah we did quite well selling books and and just people coming up it's always it always amazes me how so many people come up to david and and oh i saw you yeah uh, it's like i i saw you uh there's a gentleman or so i saw you first race here in 1968 and david goes no that would have been 69 i was like when i when he raced formula 5000 and and it's like oh okay and they talk i saw you i was out and they'll tell i was out in turn five and this and that and so it's it's all it's pretty cool to, to see him interact with all the fans and whatnot yeah i bet you know nice trip down memory lane i'm sure uh you know, David Hobbs loves hearing all those stories. And, you know, the fact that, um, you know, that's what the the whole family, you know, the whole racing community family. Mm-hmm. And there are certain moments, and it doesn't have to be a race that, you know, somebody won or anything like that. But, you know, there's certain racing moments that you will never forget. And, where, like that guy, you know, 40, 50 years after the fact, still has that yeah. memory front and center in his mind and can rattle it off to David Hobbs, you know, at, at, the, at the drop of a hat. And that's what makes racing special. And that's, you know, kind of what makes racing, uh, to me, it has more of a, a family feeling than the NFL or, yeah. you know, other sports like that. It uh, it seems a lot more close-knit and uh you know, there's more moments like that that um, you know that that people have, and and that's what really makes it special. Well, the 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 what they call it the front gust or the storm gust is hitting the station right now, and it is getting dark. But you know what? The summer thunderstorm. Yeah. So hopefully we'll stay in the air. We won't get knocked out. <laughs> you know, it. Uh, I feel nice and safe in this building. Yes. So. Uh, I'm well, not worried about it. I'm going to go outside, and I'm going to roll my windows up because when I came here, it was nice and sunny and beautiful. Yeah, well, we're about uh, only got about a, less than a half an hour left. I'm trying so. to decide when I'm going to go out there and start <laughs> start my car to get the AC cranked up <laughs> all the way. All right, well, let's take a let's take a break now. When we come back, we're going to talk to Eddie Lapine. Uh, we have. Uh, we're going to talk about the Iowa uh, 300 IndyCar race coming up, and also the big news over the weekend. Uh, which is not only for car geeks, but probably eventually for racing also, is the rear the the debut of the mid-engine, I should say, uh, Corvette. And that's been, we actually talked about this uh, a couple of years ago, and it's finally here. So we're gonna, when we come back, we're going to talk to, from RacingNation.com, Eddie Lapine, and we'll talk more racing coming up on the Final Inspection Show. <laughs> Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Of course, uh, canceled this weekend because of heat and track conditions. So it's not just it's not just because of the hot, but uh, the heat, I should say. But it's also because of track conditions, trying to keep that track 
when direct sunlight and you got those big old wheels spinning around and and all the and and also the amount of runs they do in a given weekend uh it's better just to say eh, let's take a break and we'll come back another day where it's much more uh fun too not only that but uh yeah and safer for the track so definitely understandable yeah. it's disappointing because you know who doesn't like to go out uh you know saturday afternoon spend some time outside having uh some cold beers or some cold soda and watching some great racing but uh definitely is uh is understandable why uh great lakes had to uh shut it down and um you know, it's unfortunate, but uh, the track will be in, in great shape for the next time they do get going. And, of course, uh, this week the IndyCar Series in, uh, is in Iowa, the little uh, 7 eighths mile out in Newton, Iowa, and it's uh, been out there a few times. Great track, great racing. In the past, uh, last couple of years, it's been during the day. Not the best. They moved it back to Saturday night where the crowds have been better, and uh, it's Simon Pagino, it's on the pole, it's, Team Penske running strong. One, two, three. You got Pagano, Will Power in the front row. Joseph Newgarden, Takuma Sato, who won there last year. Uh, defending champion is fourth. Uh, no, two years ago, I think it was. I think Hinchcliffe won there last year. Uh, you got Hinchcliffe and Rossi, fifth and sixth in the third row. Then Graham Rahal, who's been running, been running pretty strong lately, along with uh, Scott Dixon, who announced uh, they're having a, a baby. Jeff, are you excited? Oh, I, I am so thrilled. Uh, I, you know, I've got my calendar marked. I'm just counting the days. And Ryan Hunter Ray, who's also won at Iowa in the past. And Marcus Erickson, uh, once again, a strong run. This is a rookie Formula One driver. Uh, he's driven in Europe pretty much all his life, comes over to America. And what is more American than a little short track, 7 eighths track? The guy qualifies in the top 10. Yeah. Yeah, mighty impressive, and uh, you know, just uh, just goes to show you how much talent and and everything that uh, that he's got for him to sit there and and qualify that well, you know, not running a lot over here and in IndyCar in general. And uh, this weekend, of course, you see Connor Daly will be in the fifty nine car, and uh, uh, so he's a. Uh, in and uh, let's see here, good another good run for Santino Ferrucci qualifying twelfth once again another rookie has been very strong especially on the on the, on the ovals, uh, kid that's been running Europe uh, all his career comes over to the U S runs well at Indianapolis and of course now he's at Iowa he's in the, in in the top half of the field uh, Tony Canon qualified thirteenth that's the best run for Foyt in the last few races uh, but. Actually, was running much stronger than that in practice. So, be interesting, you know, with race strategy. What can that 14 car do? Uh, they could be in line for a strong weekend. And struggles once again for Zach Veach and with the Andretti cars, along along with his teammate Marco Andretti. And then uh, in the last row, you got Sebastian Bourdais and Matthias Leist in the second Foyt car. So, uh, who do you like? I mean, with uh, this is a. Uh, the only track like this on a short track like this, high banked, uh, racy little circuit at Iowa. Uh, who do you like this weekend? Well, there's a lot of guys that uh, you know that sit there and and start jumping off the page. It's hard when um, you know Simon Pagano has just been on a complete tear lately, and it, it's hard to pick against him. But uh, 
I think I'm going to have to go with Takuma Sato. Uh, win again. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and you look at some of the guys that's won here in the past. I mean, you got Marco Andretti who's run one there. But uh, Ryan Hunter Ray, Captain America, he's run there. But then you look at uh, I mean, Hinchcliffe, defending champion, you think, you know, you, when you think of James Hinchcliffe, you don't think of him as a short oval meister of any, you know. But, I mean, it, it's interesting, guys. Uh, you, it, you look out for the unusual. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody like Colton Herta could run well here. Maybe with with some pit strategy and whatnot, move up to the front. He qualified 11th. You know, he, he could do well. So, I mean, it, it's pretty much wide open. But the linchpin is what Dennis Michelson mentioned in the, in the earlier segment is the weather. Now, right now, uh, there's some storms in Iowa, but they're to the north of the speedway, and it look like, looks like they're moving uh, uh, directly west. But this is the summer. Dennis would agree with me, who is a meteorologist. Anything's possible because with this moisture, they call it like a soup. Mm-hmm. This is just a fermenting soup with, with this heat and the wind and everything. These storms can pop up at any time at any place. Yeah. So you could look at the radar uh, and one hour before the race, an hour, uh, you know, bef- an hour later, that radar could look completely different. So... Yeah, you you never really know. I tell you what, let's uh, I tell you what, let's take a quick break here. Okay. We got Eddie calling in. I want to talk to him about this new mid-engine Corvette. Uh, kind of exciting news for not only for all the gearheads, but what what is this going to mean for the IMSA series and and in racing in general? So it should be pretty interesting. So let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk to Eddie Lapine about the new mid-engine Corvette coming out. And uh, some IMSA racing there in Lime Rock, too. Of course, we spoke with uh, Joey Hand in the first hour. And then uh, we'll get our predictions from him about uh, IndyCar at Iowa and uh, NASCAR in New Hampshire. Back to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from RacingNation.com. It is Eddie Lapine. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Hi, Steve. How are you today? We're doing fantastic at this point, I guess, trying to stay dry as a little summer thunderstorm is uh, working its way from the north into the area here, but uh, it's giving a little relief to the heat uh, down here. But you guys are used to that down in Florida, of course. Uh, Nothing unusual about 95 and hot and humid, right? No, and it's, there's a thunderstorm blowing through here, too, as oh, well. So very good. Something in common. <laughs> uh, the big news, of course, is the new Corvette C8, uh, which is coming out, which, uh, you know, we, we, we've, we've talked to, uh, um, you know, the Corvette people on the show before. That's been rumored for years. It's finally coming through. Uh, fruition it was released this week and a pretty pretty cool car isn't it well all the gm people are buzzing and race people are buzzing and it's very exciting uh, i know dan banks and doug fian are very excited they have been testing that car for a while now for racing at uh, the debut 
at Daytona for the 24 this year, or the upcoming year, next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's exciting. And I think the people, uh, you know, they just want to have something to compete with Porsche in that arena. And I think, I think they're going to do a great job. And I think economically uh, it's going to be fit for just daily drivers. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because you're talking about a car that's been in development since, you know, the mid nineties and, and, and it's, it's gone through a second generation and it's been developed, developed, developed. And, they, a couple of years ago, they were it looked like you. They might have been at the end of the rope, but they've actually been able to tweak the car some more and get some better results out of it. But now this is you know you're, you're going from a blank sheet of paper. It's pretty interesting from a design uh, point how they've done this. They've got uh, what they call the, the 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 it's an aluminum frame car uh, subframe whatever you want to call it. But they got what the what what's interesting. The body structure in that what they call the Bedford Six, and these are these high-stressed aluminum castings, and these are uh, I guess bulkheads if you want to call it. And then in the middle of that is what they call uh, the center tunnel, which actually goes through the midsection of the car, which acts as the backbone. And the main thing they were looking to get out of this car with this new generation with the mid-engine Corvette was uh, uh, stiffness, keeping the car as stiff, limiting the body roll, body roll. So, which is not only for performance on the street, but maybe will transition to the track. So, I guess my next question to you, Eddie, is if you're Chevrolet, uh, you know, this is the car you want front and center, uh, and, and, and judging uh, what they did for the rollout in that in this. If you're if you're if you're uh, Chevrolet, this this is going to be your car now for the next five years. When you when you when you want to showcase what Chevrolet is doing to the world, this is it, isn't it? Well, yes, and uh, I it's unbelievable when you think about how economically sound it's going to be for the general public. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's going to take sports cars to another level when you think about the price tag of a Porsche or a McLaren or a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And this car is going to be amazing because the technology is amazing. What, what they're going to develop and what they are developing, I think. And like anything, a new road car, there becomes issues that will probably arise from this. I would think buying a first generation car, cause it's a complete, car from the ground up and just like racing when porsche brought the mid-engine over and you know it's going to take a little bit but now as we see in lime rock porsche has been really dominating this year with their car and i think you know corvette's going that direction and i think with pratt miller and how they develop the race car i think you're going to see them jump right up to porsche Mm-hmm. That car. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, you look at uh, there's a really neat art- article on Jalopnik, which I'll I'll, I'll uh, share with the the final inspection Facebook page. But they kind of go into the development of it, and like I said, the 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 not only from the suspension, but they talk about the structure of it, 
even going down to the, uh, the aerodynamics and everything on that car is there for a reason. And it really breaks down the, uh, the outlets for the exhaust, the cooling, the, uh, what, the, what they call, um, heat exchangers in front of the rear wheels all this stuff when they put it if it's on the car it's there for a reason and it, it nowadays you know the problem is i i think with a lot of race cars and that is cars are now designed by computers back in the day there was a guy who was sketching something on a piece of paper so you had a lot of flowing beautiful not lines but at least corvette this thing is designed by a computer everything's on here by for a reason but it does aesthetically. It's a good-looking car, isn't it? Oh, it's it's awesome-looking. It's it's got everybody's attention. Everybody's talking about it. I mean, they're talking about it at the track today. Yeah. And I think it it is exciting. It's exciting for GM. I think I don't know how they're going to launch and be prepared for the orders. I think it's not going to be like the four GT where they came out with it and nobody could get the car. Mm-hmm. I think GM's going to have a different approach to it. And the approach is going to be that they can supply the cars. It's going to be hard to, to see how they're going to keep up to the demand because Corvette has always been really a popular car. And I think it's going to affect their sales. Uh, definitely. It's going to boost them in that department, but I think it's going to affect, every other car that they've made, I think it's going to affect the Camaro sales. I think it's going to be non-existent when you can buy a car like that for seventy-five dollars to $100,000. Everybody's going to want one, and it's going to be like the – remember when they came out – Mazda came out with the Miata in 1990. You know, they were, it was on almost on purpose that there were less less cars than the demand, and – these are cars that had huge, huge premiums from the dealers and that. And I think this is something you may see with the Corvette. Let's switch gears and go into uh, predictions here. We got the uh, NASCARs out in Loudoun at the One Mile Oval up in New Hampshire. And uh, we got Brad Keselowski in the poll. Who, who do you like in the NASCAR race this weekend? I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. He's been a little quiet the last little bit here, and I think, He'll break out of the box this weekend. All right. And then uh, IndyCar, we got, and I, I'm going with Kevin Harvick. Jeff, you went with? I went with Kyle Bush. Dennis Michelson went with Harvick as well. So okay. three out of the four of you guys all picked the number four. Interesting. And then uh, we have Iowa, the Iowa 300 at the little 7 eight mile up in uh, Newton, Iowa. Uh, tonight, uh, who do you like, that, uh, Eddie? Well, I'll tell you, Simon's really just uh, lighting it up lately. And uh, I think I'm going to go with the pole sitter. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, Penske's one, two, three. Uh, Jeff, you took uh, Sato. Sato. I'm going to go with. Uh, all right, I'll go with Newgarden. All right, it's a good pick. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, Lime Rock. You got the GT race, Eddie. What do What do you like? Uh, who do you like in the GT race? Well, I, I definitely am going to go with the Porsche. They're winning every weekend, and mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Earl and Lauren Vanderhol. Those, they're in the poll, aren't they? Yes, and they're coming to Road America in a few weeks. Yeah, so. looking forward to that. Uh, of course, uh, I think it's August, what, 4th, 4th through the 8th, I think it is. 
Uh, let me check my. I'm horrible at it, dates. No, I uh, think two through four. Fourth. Yeah, second through the fourth. So, and uh, of course, a final geez. inspection to show. Up there. I know that, but it's not. A, you know, this weekend it's the vintage cars. So, you know, I'm still yeah, in vintage I'm, mode. Well, I'm losing track of where I'm at. I feel <laughs> like, you know, I'm going whatever. with Joey Hand in uh, in that one. He was oh, good enough nice? to join the show. I'm picking him. I'm gonna go with the Porsche too. I'll go with the pole sitter. Um, the uh, yes, and it, this is your chance to meet Eddie Lapine in person at Road America. So make sure you get up to the road road racing showcase at Road America, where you can see the gang up at Elkhart Lake at Road America. So. Eddie, we thank you for coming on the show, man. Well, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, All right. Make, make sure you get out and buy that brand-new Corvette. So looking forward to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I'll, uh, I'll take one in black, Steve, if you're buying. <laughs> All right. You've been listening to the Final Inspection Show. I want to thank Dennis Michelson for coming on the show. Of course, Eddie Lapine and uh, Joey Hand, too for coming and john close make sure you get uh, barnyard to the brickyard on amazon.com and it's richie richie bickle story it is entertaining i've looked at the book it's very good so, and cheer for tyler reddick in the megadeth car today in the xfinity series there you go sweating bullets all right you're listening to final inspection show see ya we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 